0: Welcome to Bring Your Own popcorn. popcorn. Let us howl to your choir or spook your ire as we spiral down nightmare lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic What we lack in education, we make up for with tricks, treats, and screams. <gasps> I'm your host, Mix Ghost. <laughs> Our host, Mix Ghost. Mixed Ghost, so Ghost Magistream. Here today with a conglomeration of spooky guests who I've cut together into a Frankenstein's monster of a spooky special. These feature creatures will interview themselves as they tell you about a spooky season movie that they think. Is a big deal. We've got artists, podcasters, comedians, and more in this spectacular compilation. Enjoy.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Jen, and I'm the woman behind the mic on the podcast My Streaming Bubble. I am the first of her name enthusiast of pockets, mother of two, and a baker of cakes. And I'm here to talk about the horror movie classic from 1984, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, to me, a good Halloween movie has to be scary. It has to get to the heart of your fears, at least on some level. It has to stress me out, and it has to get my heart a racing. I think that's just perfect for Halloween time, spooky season... That's what I always look for in a good Halloween movie. While I love a lot of scary movies, I think my favorite, at least one of my top, top favorites, is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. It's so scary. And it's more about the human side to it that scares me the most. But it also has that element of sci-fi and everything and isolation. And, oh, it's I've seen it so many times, but it's still just... Terrifies me. A good movie to watch in October or a good Halloween movie, to me, it has to be spooky and it has to take place during spooky season. Now we're talking specifically like Halloween movies, so it has to kind of fit the vibe of the season. You know, the colors, the the leaves, pumpkins, sweaters, soup, <laughs> much like how a lot of people like to watch Christmas and holiday movies at Christmas and holiday time. You know, they everyone's got their standard, their staples that they like to watch. I think the same logic can be applied to Halloween movies. You know, everything from your family friendly, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, to the Halloween horror movie franchise, both of those take place during spooky season, but are on the complete opposite ends of the spooky movie spectrum, but are both great to watch this time of the year. I've always loved being scared and watching scary movies because they are scary. I love that feeling of my heart racing, my body tensing up, and just in general, being a stressed out, sweaty mess. I love it. Sometimes when watching scary movies, when I do get scared, because I admit I kind of go back and forth. Not everything elicits any kind of reaction, but the really, really good stuff hits all those points. Bonus for making me scream into my blankie. (laughs) That's usually reserved for stuff like the body horror uh, and just really just other really hard stuff to watch. Not so much the gore itself, but those are the things that that really really get me scared and how my body reacts to being terrified. Now, the movie I want to talk about is the 1984 horror movie classic A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring Robert Englund, Heather Langenkamp and John Saxon, and it was written and directed by Wes Craven. My first reaction to this movie was of course fear, but also a little bit of curiosity because When I saw it for the very first time, I was only five years old and I was with my older cousin. So I remember the boiler room scene, which no five-year-old should ever see. But I also remember having my eyes covered, so I still missed plenty. They just got a little laxed during that moment. I even remember switching from like the oldest cousin to the youngest of the oldest cousins, thinking that she wouldn't cover my eyes, but I was wrong. They were all very semi-responsible preteens. Now that I'm older, I obviously don't have the same kind of reaction to the movie nowadays as I did when I was (laughs) way, way too young. And I've seen it several times since then. Because, again, I love to be afraid. I think now, like, there's still moments where I get scared and I get tensed and I tense up. Uh, The boiler room scene, I think, maybe was just traumatic enough that's always going to put me on edge during that. But I also have an appreciation for the way the movie was made and really for the practical effects. So as I got older and I learned more about the movie and just kind of movie making processes in general and, and learning about the pra- all the practical effects used in that movie, there's definitely a, a shift in how I watch some of those scenes. But again, like I said, that boiler room scene, it, it still still kind of stresses me out. Now, I chose this movie because it's special to me, and the reason why it's special is because it's one of the few memories I have as a kid with those cousins, because, you know, family drama, am I right? <laughs> but that's kind of why Freddie holds a special place in my terrified heart, is that time that I got with those older cousins. Very, very brief, but there was some sort of bonding moment that happened in all of us being terrified. <laughs> I was scared the most though, but to put it simply, it was, it's my first horror movie and it's probably what got me interested in horror, in the macabre. It's probably the subconscious seed that was planted that triggered my goth phase and everything, just kind of embracing all of that. And since it's my first horror movie, I absolutely think everyone should see it. It's been around long enough that at this point, I'm sure most folks have seen it. But if not, I think it's definitely worth checking out. The practical effects holds up. The concept is there. Freddy is actually scary in this one. He hasn't gone the route of camp that we've kind of come to know and maybe love. And it's just, it's a classic. So I think that even if horror movies aren't your thing, I think it's still worth Trying to watch. Watch it with your friends, make a night of it, and just try to have fun with it. And just try to appreciate it for what it did for filmmaking, special effects, the franchise, and just kind of how it laid that groundwork. And it's just such a great, fun movie. It's weird to say that it's fun, but it is fun. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to me go on about A Nightmare on Elm Street and why it's one of my favorite scary movies. I'm Jen, host of My Streaming Bubble, and if you want to hear more from me, be sure to listen to my podcast, which can be found on a podcast player near you. You can also follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble, find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble, or send an email to mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. I hope you all have a safe and spooky season, and keep streaming. Bye!
2: Hi, my name is Skylar, and I'm one third of the host for the podcast Kawaii Disappointment. And I want to talk about Wes Craven's 1996 classic, Scream. The kind of movies I like to watch during Spooky Season are the movies that have strong lore and world building. The lore is what sets the rules and parameters of the characters' actions, and you get to experience it along with them. It makes it so much more spooky and so much more immersive. As a former film major whose focus was horror cinema, I had a lot of pretentious classmates that believed the more messed up a movie was, the more genius it was, thus making them geniuses for not being scared while watching it. Like, that's great, Brett, but you're not going to get a gold star, you're not going to get a medal for watching a Serbian film and not feeling afraid when you see it, or not feeling anything. Me. I do get scared, but that's the whole point of scary movies. I'm not the weird one. You're the weird one, Brett. Things that I find so scary are ghosts, specifically Japanese ghosts. I'm talking Sadako from The Ring, especially Kayako from The Grudge. She's terrifying. Still haunts my dreams today. They are able to penetrate these spaces that no other horror antagonist besides Freddy Krueger can get to. Oh, oh, do you feel safe wearing your jacket, hood up, hands in your pockets? Guess what? Scary ghost hands are gonna come out of your hood, grab your face, and suck your whole body into said jacket that has now become a hell dimension. You cannot hide from them, and that is so, so, so scary. When I get scared, I will scream, and I oftentimes will smack the top of my right thigh for some reason, I don't know. And then if I suspect a jump scare is coming, I will plug my ears. You know, like I could see it, but like hearing it makes it even more scary. And apparently I chew on my left thumbnail a lot, which was recently pointed out to me. And now I'm just like hyper aware of it. The movie I want to talk about is Scream. Released in 1996 and directed by Wes Craven. It stars Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, Skeet Ulrich, David Arquette, and Matthew Lillard. The first time I saw this movie, I was 12 and my mind was absolutely blown. It was so, so scary, and it truly impacted the way I looked at horror movies from that moment on. I remember being incredibly stressed out. I screamed a lot. Each death seemed so real and so personal to that character, which made it feel like Ghostface could just pop up right behind me. I also remember laughing a lot, and not because it was camp, but because everyone felt so real, and they were all just so funny. As an adult, I still get stressed out and spooked, despite knowing almost every line of dialogue in this movie. As an adult, I fully understand the jokes, the references, and all the Easter eggs, and that makes it even more enjoyable to watch. Scream is not just my favorite horror movie, but one of my most favorite movies of all time. It's just so special to me. I had always loved watching horror movies and had seen all the classics up until that point. Thanks mom for not paying attention to me. Um, <laughs> Scream was the first movie to describe the rules on how to survive a horror movie. Being 12, I had not paid attention to any of the formulas, the tropes, or the rules. So I was able to retrospectively revisit all the classics with this new lens. And I felt like I was given this cheat code this movie breathed life back into the slasher genre. It began this boom, a resurgence of these types of movies. They may have not all been good, but it gave me so much more to see. I recommend this movie to everyone, even those who don't really watch scary movies. It has the perfect blend of horror and humor. It's incredibly immersive, and it's scary, but not too scary. And on that note, goodbye everyone. Again, my name is Skylar from the Kawaii Disappointment Podcast. Myself and my husband are huge weebs, and we force our non-weeb friend Lauren to watch anime. We have an episode come out every week, and you can listen to us anywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can visit www.kawaiidesupod.com. And we'd appreciate it if you followed us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and or TikTok. Preferably, The Ant. That's at K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
3: Hello. My name is Johnny Flores. I am a podcast producer and the owner of Flores Podcast Consulting, and I want to talk about the 1981 movie, An American Werewolf in London. It was written and directed by John Landis, and it stars David Naughton as David Kessler, the uh, titular American werewolf in London. Uh, Jenny Agutter, Agutter, I'm not sure how to say her last name, as uh, Alex Price, who is a nurse taking care of David after he is attacked by a wolf and later becomes his love interest. And then Griffin Dunn as Jack Goodman, David's best friend and the first victim who later guides David through his journey as a werewolf. The kind of movies I like to watch during spooky season are not scary. I don't watch a lot of scary movies. However, I do like horror comedies. If I'm going to watch something scary, I want it to be a or horror comedy so an american werewolf in london i'd put in that category the evil dead series shawn of the dead ghostbusters i think those are all scary movies that they're comedies that happen to have scary elements to them that's what makes a good halloween or scary movie to me do i get scared during scary movies not really i get anxious more than anything just as like like how is this going to resolve itself or how how is this situation going to Makes sense in its resolution. So I don't get scared per se. I don't like hide behind a blanket or hang on to somebody. Be like, oh my God, tell me when this is over. I just get more anxious about how is this going to resolve itself. So the first time I saw an American werewolf in London, I was probably about 11. It was at my dad's house and he had a a laser disc player. The disc itself was about the size of a large pizza. The thing was huge. And he had two laser discs. He had Disney's Robin Hood. And then the other one was an American Werewolf in London. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan when I was a kid. If you were my age in the eighties, you loved Michael Jackson. The disc, it was double sided. So once I was American Werewolf in London on the other side was Michael Jackson's thriller, which was also directed by John Landis. And then there was the making of Thriller. So that was sort of my, end. I, I wanted to watch that. And then I decided to flip it over and watch an American Werewolf in London scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, but I instantly fell in love with it, and I love it to this day. I would definitely say my reaction to the movie hasn't changed in all these years. I'm pushing 50, and I love this movie. I watch it whenever it pops up on a streaming service. Even if I've watched it on Netflix, and then like it goes off at the end of the month, and then two months later it's on something else, I will watch it as soon as it pops up. Like, and it always in my head, I'm always like, I haven't seen this movie in forever. And I know I've seen this movie five or six times during the course of the year. So that's how much I love this movie. I never get tired of it. And what's so special about An American Wolf in London is several things. One, the special effects in this movie, the practical effects is before digital anything, really. To this day, I think, hold up. They look real. The transformation scene is amazing. It took them several weeks to film the transformation, which I think is only about two minutes long. It looks real. It holds up. And there's little... (laughs) They filmed this scene over several weeks. And and sometimes it's just a quick cut of like two seconds of a hand growing. just shows you how dedicated they were to making this transformation look real. Also, it was the first movie to receive... The Academy Award for Special Effects, in fact, I believe the award was created just to give it to this movie. And then also, I think it was one of the first and one of the most well-done horror comedies that have ever been made. I, I think a lot of movies nowadays wouldn't exist without an American werewolf in London because it showed you can be funny and scary at the same time. An audience will appreciate it and love it. And I would definitely recommend this movie to just about anybody over the age of 11, which was probably around the age I was when I first saw it. It was just scary enough to like freak me out. There's a scene where these Nazi werewolf creatures come in and kill David's family. It scared the hell out of me when I was a kid, but I still, I would continue to watch the movie, even though I knew it was scary and it gave me nightmares, I would still watch it. So I think 11 is probably a good age, anywhere from 11 and up. And if you love, like if you're a big fan of universal monster movies like Frankenstein and Dracula and The Mummy and all that, you'll love this movie. If you like werewolf movies, this is the best werewolf movie of all time. I would just like to say thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on Mixtape Majesty. I love Bring Your Own Popcorn. It's a great podcast. Obviously, you know, that's a great podcast or you wouldn't be listening to this popper. I'm I'm assuming that's what fans of Bring Your Own Popcorn call themselves uh, is poppers. And I've been Johnny and I am the owner of Flores Podcast Consulting. And if you want to hear more from me, I don't have a podcast right now, but I'm working on one and it's going to be a horror comedy. So be on the lookout for that.
4: I am Cake, white-collar worker by day and a spooky babe by night, and today I want to talk about *Neroy: The Curse, from the year 2005. What makes a good Halloween movie is anything that gives you that Halloween vibe. A Halloween vibe can mean lots of things to lots of different people. It can be something that is campy and fun but with a kind of spooky air, it can be something that chills your spine be something that unsettles you. It can be films that are taking place during Halloween. Anything that gives me a kind of macabre vibe is what I'm looking for for Halloween, or something that is very nostalgic that maybe I watched growing up. I don't get scared during scary movies, but <laughs> I'm someone that I think can feel really unsettled after them. I'm known to sleep with the light on and I'm known to have vivid nightmares after watching something particularly scary, especially the film that I'm going to talk about today. The movie I want to talk about today is Noroi The Curse. It was released in 2005. It is directed by Koji Shiraishi and it is a Japanese found footage horror film. The first time I saw this movie, I believe I had heard about it from a either from a forum post or from a horror YouTuber, and it seemed like it was right up my alley. I love found footage horror, just something very unsettling about it, especially in terms of it can be quite scary, even if it does involve things like the occult or supernatural. It's still highly believable for whatever reason, in the found footage format. To me, what makes this movie special is the believability of it. I recall watching it a number of years ago and then having moved to Japan, was trying to decide on something to watch. I lived in an old building from the 80s, not too far away from a Shinto shrine, and decided that Naroi The Curse was the perfect movie to watch, even though it has a lot to do with kind of occult. Shinto themes, so I think watching it probably was not the best idea because I was very scared in the middle of the night and ended up just getting up out of bed and deciding to decorate and clean to kind of get my mind off of the creepiness of the film. I feel like my reaction has stayed the same even though I I know the plot by heart and I know in my heart of hearts that, you know, it's just a movie. can't hurt me. I still feel very unsettled by it. On that note, I don't know that I would recommend this film to everybody. I think if you like Japanese horror and things that are unsettling and creepy and really can chill you to the bone, I would watch it. I think if you don't like being unsettled, or get scared very easily. It might be one that's worth skipping, or if you find found footage boring, I think that would also be another reason why I would skip it. Personally, I really like the format, because again, it just makes you feel realistically very scared. Well, thank you for listening. I've been Cake, uh, White Collar Worker by Day, Spooky Babe by Night, and uh, I will check you out later. Stay spooky, friends.
5: Halloween. i'm joe shannon from phantom jukebox podcast and also a guitarist in otherworld and to me what defines a good halloween movie is just the spooky nature of having all of the classic symbols whether it be witches and bats and pumpkins and ghouls if it's going to be halloween i don't just want any horror movie off the streets i needed to be i needed to have the recognizable symbols i do get scared during scary movies but more more so i get creeped out when it comes to little kids or old ladies who are possessed that sort of thing really really creeps me out my favorite of the scary movies is tucker and dale vs evil now it is also a comedy movie but when tucker and dale vs evil came out in 2010 oh man that just hit home being able to very well portray the two sides of just two guys who are love the woods and some college kids who are afraid of these hillbillies in the woods i like it what makes tucker and dale versus evil special to me is i really like how it's shot really giving you the two different types of perspective on the same situation where these two guys just want to go to their cabin in the woods and they want to make it a home and When you take a look through the lens of the college kids that are there, they just look like every typical horror cabin in the woods, hillbillies that are going to eat you in your family type scene. And because of this, a lot goes wrong and they never, you know, they're not trying to kill anybody, but, uh, people die and it's just very well, very well shot. I like how it gives you those two sides of the same coin, but they look very different. And I would very much recommend it to everyone. It's not just a Halloween movie. It's just a good movie. I'm Joe Shannon from Phantom Jukebox Podcast. And this is Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Recommended to you by me.
6: Happy Halloween to some and blessed Salon to others. My name is Amber Jordan. I am the artist behind Amber is the Color and I am the co-host of Is Talking Tarot and Other Things, a podcast. I'm a mother of four daughters, which some might say is scarier than the movie that I would like to talk about today, which is Trick or Treat from 2007. First of all, for me, A good Halloween movie is not just a scary movie. Any scary movie is a scary movie, but it's not a Halloween movie. For me, a Halloween movie has to have Halloween as a theme throughout the movie, whether it's scary or silly or serious. For me to consider a movie a Halloween movie, the central theme must be Halloween, or the movie must take place during the Halloween season. I love scary movies no matter what time of year. October's a great time to watch a scary movie, but I'll watch a scary movie whenever. I tend to just enjoy scary movies, but sometimes jump scares definitely get me. I tend to make a little yelp, and if I'm holding something such as a bowl of popcorn, it might get spilt. <laughs> I'm not liable to do much more than that, but I do love getting scared. So today, the movie I want to talk about is Trick or Treat from 2007, directed by Michael Doherty, and starring Quinn Lore, Anna Paquin, Sam Todd, Leslie Bibb, and many, many other talented actors. The first time that I saw the movie, I didn't fully appreciate everything that Trick or Treat brought to the table. But I immediately loved Trick or Treat the first time I saw it. And every single time I watch this movie, I notice more things that make me love it even more. The biggest central theme for Halloween in the movie Trick or Treat is the rules of Halloween. The movie presents to you the rules of Halloween and pretty much everyone in the movie who has a bad ending breaks said rules of Halloween. One of my favorite parts has one of my favorite characters named Rhonda and She actually gives a small lesson in Samhain, or rather, a small lesson about the history of Samhain when talking about Halloween with one of the other characters in the movie. Trick or Treat is one of those vignette films where it's a bunch of different stories that you see captured. However, it doesn't play out like most vignette films where you see one story at a time. All of the stories intertwine and you see the characters pop up in the other characters' stories. You also go back and forth through some of the stories throughout the night and you go back and forth through time in the night. I really enjoy the movie because of all the little nuances that the character Sam brings to the table. As well as the blendings of fairy tale and horror themes throughout the entire movie, because it is a scary movie about what is thought of as predominantly a children's holiday. There are children, actors, and characters in the movie, as well as adult actors and characters. I think Trick or Treat perfectly blends the themes of adult Halloween and child Halloween and how they can intersect. I think this movie is a great movie for anyone that likes scary movies. It is not a family-friendly Halloween film. It is definitely going to have gore and scares, and it is not for the faint of heart, I would say, especially since some of the weapons are quite creative, and if you choose to watch the movie, you will understand what I mean by that but I don't want to ruin anything for anyone. So I thank you for letting me take a little bit of your time today to go over how I feel about the movie Trick or Treat and what it means for me as far as Halloween movie goes because really, I have a horrible time picking favorites, but I can honestly say, as an adult, Trick or Treat is my favorite Halloween movie. Thanks for listening have a blessed halloween i've been amber jordan the artist behind amber is the color and co-host of the podcast which is talking tarot and other things if you want to hear more from me please check out which is talking tarot on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, google pods or anywhere you prefer getting your podcast app you can also find my art on amber is you can find amber is the color on most of the social medias as well as which talking tarot have a wonderful and safe holiday
7: Happy Halloween! My name is Tim and I'm going to be talking about the 2014 movie It Follows. One of my favorite things that I think contributes to what makes a movie a good Halloween movie is that it feels like it takes place in a liminal space. Sure, it's easy to say movies in the fall are Halloween movies, but that isn't the case really. Halloween is one night a year, yet we spend all October thinking about it. Some of us more. And I think many people enjoy feeling like it is a longer period of time, What better to do that than have a movie that feels like it exists out of time? As a kid, I used to get scared very easily. For years, I was convinced the velociraptors in Jurassic Park would come to get me when I got home at night. When I'm scared, and I'm truly scared, I tend to abandon reason and just enter a flight mode. I don't get scared nearly as much as I used to, sadly, but I do cherish it now, especially when I can control it like watching a movie or reading a book. Nowadays, I don't feel that fear nearly as much as I used to, but I love when I do, and I love when it's uneasy dread. That slow, creeping pit that wells up in the deep of your gut as you slowly but surely realize something awful is about to happen. And had you noticed earlier, maybe you could have done something about it. But it's too late now. It's coming. The movie I'm about to talk about is It Follows, released in 2014 directed by David Robert Mitchell, starring Micah Monroe, Olivia Lucardi, and Lily Seppe. The first time I saw this movie, I had no idea what to expect. A band I followed named Disasterpiece did the soundtrack, and it came up on my Spotify recommend. I liked a couple of the songs, and I realized it wasn't an album, but a soundtrack, so I sought the movie out. I watched it by myself, and I was floored. It is still one of my all-time favorite movies. I spent that summer showing every friend I could. I bought the soundtrack on vinyl, On rewatches, knowing the plot and twists and scares doesn't take anything away from this movie for me. I still find new things to love every time. What makes this movie so special to me is that it fills that liminal space idea I mentioned earlier perfectly. You never know what time of year it is. You never even really know where it takes place. The whole time you feel as though you're in a dream where you think you know what's happening, but there's incongruities, misplaced items, cars that are just a little too old, clothes that are just a little too new. The antagonist in the movie is an unseen force that can change into anything it wants. It moves slowly but purposefully, and possibly the most horrifying thing to me is we know nothing about it. Everything we know is from people passing on the curse to others, so they could be lying or just wrong. We are expected to trust the rules as the characters are, but as they figure things out, so do we. It really embodies that slow burn dread to me. I genuinely think most horror fans should give this a shot, it's light on jump scares, but the ones it uses, it uses well. It's the kind of movie that gets better on rewatches, and finding out trivia enhances the experience and makes you want to give it another go. And that band disaster piece killed the soundtrack. Anyway, thanks for listening to me ramble. I've been Tim. Happy Halloween! <laughs>
8: And salutations. I'm Ernie, entrepreneur, TikTok content creator, and host of a podcast called From Under the Apron, and I'm here to talk to you about the original Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. What defines a good Halloween movie? Well, a good Halloween movie has to have that element of suspense, surprise, the jump scares, the grotesque makeup scenes. You have to have grotesque makeup scenes, the kill count always have to have a kill count. The final girls, or guy, they have to have all these factors. I'm a big fan of the 80s non-CGI grotesque wound makeup scenes from Hellraiser. They always, always made me cringe. Friday the 13th, zombie movies, even any of the Final Destination movies. Who doesn't love the highway scene from part two? I used to do this 31 Days of Horror Challenge every October and watch 31 horror movies all month long, ranging from any genre. I'm currently doing that right now. I usually ask this on Facebook and there have been a lot of movie recommendations throughout the years ranging from movies that I've watched before to indie horror movies that I've never even heard of that will creep everyone out. You ever heard of Teeth? Dead Girl? Or even Detention? Yeah, you should totally go check those out. I don't get scared unless it's something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the only movie that I've waited till I was in my 30s to watch. Do the type of weapon Letterface carried, and it was based on a true story. Nope. Forget that. I am out of here. Anything that was based on a true story like that is what gets me scared. Because, hey, if it happened in real life, it could happen again. It could happen in real life to you. I used to be scared of Thriller Song when I was a child. Such a traumatic event that happened to me when I was around eight. Ended up loving the song later on in my teens and even did the dance with a bunch of friends at a wedding. So, uh, who knows, it could go either way. I could totally love the rest of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I would've seen the first one, I'm not gonna watch the other one. Okay, so let's talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Released in 1984, directed by one of my favorite directors, legendary Wes Craven, also directed the Scream franchise, Last House on the Left, The Hills of Eyes, and many more. Starring Heather Langkamp, John Saxon, Robert England, and making his feature film debut. Teen heartthrob and idol. Johnny freakin' Depp! The first time I saw this movie I was about 10 years old. I went to a friend's house. The same friend that introduced me to wrestling. Him and his brother were watching Nightmare on Elm Street 4 on VHS. I was questioning what this was and they seemed confused as I've never seen this before. So they introduced me to my first real viewing of a horror movie involving Freddy Krueger. So that's what makes it so special to me. Freddy Krueger popped my cherry. Okay, maybe not the right way to say that, if considering the Freddy Krueger thing. Okay, whatever. Prior to that, I was not allowed to watch scary movies. My parents said, no, can't, I forbid you. <laughs> like, I probably had, like, scary dreams or anything. I don't remember. But my childhood friend had all four movies, and I watched them all with him and his brother. They said it was okay, as long as they supervised me. I was fine. And ever since then, I've been a big fan of horror. It was because of Freddy Krueger that I became a fan of horror. Still one of those movies I have to watch in October and is one of those that I highly recommend to every parent who asks what movie they should let their kid watch during this month to break into them into horror movies, Nightmare on Elm Street. My daughter's 12 years old now and I loved her reaction when I introduced her to it. She's ready to watch the rest of the movies along with me as well as Friday the 13th and Halloween. Alright, y'all been awesome listening to me ramble and geek out about my favorite horror movie. Once again, I'm Ernie, wrestling fan, gamer, horror aficionado. (laughs) If you want to hear from me or learn more about me, check out my wrestling podcast. It's called From Under The Apron, currently doing a 31 Days of Horror Movies With Wrestlers, and I'm loving every single one of these horror movies, either they are mainstream or B-rated. I also talk a lot about my fight with type 2 diabetes in the segment, aptly titled, Wrestling With Diabetes course check out my tiktok at evolution of a geek and the podcast account at from under the apron check out the LinkTree at linktree.com forward slash from under the apron and me on the socials instagram twitter the pod happy halloween and remember don't be a virgin and light up any black flame candles
9: Hello, my name is Ty Lindsey, and I'm one of the hosts of the Phantom Jukebox podcast and bassist for the band Otherworld. And I want to talk to you about my favorite Halloween movie, The Thing, from John Carpenter. For me, what defines a good Halloween movie is definitely the scare factor. Like, it needs to have a horror element i can watch alfred hitchcock movies all day just as a as a fan of film and a fan of like production work especially but hitchcock movies are almost not, they're more of a thriller than a horror movie but they do have that building anticipation and scare the thing is kind of that on steroids but it has that monster factor that scare factor the the mortal danger and it's got the the mind game mixed into it for me uh, a good monster flick, I guess you could say, makes a good proper Halloween film. And when it comes to scary movies, I am in fact a big baby. I shouldn't watch scary movies. I dwell on them way too long. But I am a sucker for a good plot. And there are really good plots in horror movies most of the time. And ones that fit my tastes, I guess you could say. And The Thing is certainly one of them. I watched that movie for the first, the first time. And after it, I couldn't trust my own cat. And I, did, I, did, I would look at it going, you're just waiting for me to drop my guard. It's going to get cold and you're going to try to murder me when I'm sleeping. So there are a couple The Thing movies. There's one from the 50s that's in black and white that's actually closer to the short story. There is one that happened in like 2011, which is a prequel to the John Carpenter one that happened in the mid-80s, It's just called The Thing. It's John Carpenter's magnum opus. He's made some good film. Halloween, Big Trouble, Little China. But The Thing is a proper, like cause some of those movies are good because of the cheese. Uh, a little bit of that uh, silly goo 80s thing going on. But the, the Thing is a different animal. That's him taking his craft more seriously than ever. Even the, in the Mouth of Madness, uh, that movie had a little bit of cheese to it. But The Thing, there's none to be found. From the setting being in the Arctic where they're isolated. That's one of the reasons I love it too. It's a lot of his, the situations he finds himself in are kind of like lower budget situations. So creative routes have to be taken to solve around these budget constraints. So the thing wasn't a high budget movie, but you have a limited crew of people that have, you're, you're put in months into their, and they're months into their expedition in their base. They're alone. They cannot get help. Their only in and outs are one helicopter pilot in and out, which is Kurt Russell's character. So the isolation, the environment being outside, like if they're outside, ex- under you know, exposed for too long, they can die out there, but they can't stay inside because of something that's solely picking them off one by one and perfectly replicates them down to the cell. So it, it became the the best parts about it are not the monster scenes, though, though those are the practical effects and that are great. It's the not seeing the monster and trying to figure out which one's the monster it messes with your head you have to watch it so many times and you pick up on certain characters doing certain things and you realize oh that's when he did that and that's when this must have happened it's definitely a movie you have to watch three or four times cannot recommend it enough especially for people who are fans of practical effects. I don't think there's any CG in the movie at all, which is a rarity. It is the 80s, but it's a rarity, especially now. It is an incredible venture into what can they do in that situation. It, I can't even really I can I can't spoil anything really past that, but it's very existential when you get down to it. So, what is special to me about the film is that in a lot of horror movies I've seen are kind of like modern comedies that I see nowadays. There's not a lot of attention put into composing really good shots most of the time little details like in a comedy i think it was the remake of family vacation which shouldn't happen those are movies you just can't remake the time period is a big part of why those movies are funny things people don't pay attention to especially in that movie was like everybody's clothes were like perfect like they just pulled them off the rack at like a jc pennies or something there's a, a couple medieval comedy movies i think with danny mcbride called like your highness or something like that everybody's like pristine i know it's a comedy but I mean, they're in the Middle Ages. Like, they should be dirty. They should have like mud everywhere. Like this, it's little details like that that pull you out of the movie. It's just something off about it. But then you watch like the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, and like half the time they're covered in mud, blood, guts, and you forget that you're watching a movie. You're so invested in it. Some of that stuff in modern horror movies too, where it's like it's like they'll have like perfect clothes, or they'll have the Cloverfield effect where they're like running with the camera at full speed, and you want to throw up. Not the case with the thing everything about that movie there's not a there's not an ounce of fat on that movie damn near perfect i would say it's 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 at least an eight to me nine to five almost a 10 out of 10 perfect film i don't think there's anything about it and i still get surprised with some things i see even when i rewatch it can't recommend it enough just watch it great film so thank you for listening i'm ty lindsey you've been amazing and i am a co-host on phantom jukebox and the bassist otherworld and if you want to hear more about what I do, come over to Phantom Jukebox. Check us out. We talk about mysterious music history, or people of note. Most recently, we talked about Satanic Panic and the band Mayhem. So come check us out. Also keep listening to Bring Your Own Podcast.
7: Pop.
0: That concludes our spooky specials for the season. Thank you so much, Jen, Skylar, Johnny, Cake, Joe, Amber, Tim, Ernie, and Ty. I was so honored to have all these wonderful guests come together to make this community episode. And thank you, beautiful spooky listeners, for joining us for yet another year of spooky episodes. Everybody, please have a happy, spooky, safe, and merry Happy Happy Halloween.